Hello, and welcome back to the Unleashing Possibilities podcast. This is episode three, and once again, I am here with Christy. Hi, everyone. Good to be back with you. And I hope you recognize that this is Mark. And today we want to talk about ACEs, also known as Adverse Childhood Experiences. It's something that we know that our youth come in with, and uh, we don't always talk about it here at, at, at New Pathways. And it's really important to recognize and notice because our youth are coming with certain sets of experiences that uh, very much make the journey uh, somewhat challenging, if you will, or can add some extra layers to the relationship. That's right, Mark. I think understanding that this is who New Pathways serves and has always served and uh, the conversation around adverse childhood experiences, it's not a new conversation for new pathways. We just have new language based on um, how the research has evolved to talk about it. And we now have that access to that language to help our mentors understand it. Um, so here at New Pathways, as you know, we serve youth who are experiencing uh, poverty. So they're living at or below the federal poverty level for the number of people in their household. But all of our youth also experience, um, on average, four or more adverse childhood experiences. So this is a really important conversation to understand who we serve, that this is who we've always served, um, but bringing more consciousness um, to the practices in understanding of our program model and its intentionality in interrupting and disrupting the adverse childhood experience. But what it also means is that we're serving a population of youth who are often forgotten or not served by other agencies because they are hard to serve. And it's a role that New Pathways plays very distinctly in the greater Phoenix community of serving a population that isn't often served by other social service agencies. Uh, we oftentimes leave these kids until they're in the criminal justice or the behavioral health system. And at New Pathways, we're looking to get them on a different path before they get there. Which is great to think about, that there's definitely time to create uh, an interruption and to intervene and uh, help get youth back on track to really be productive, successful, and healthy individuals. And so we talk about these adverse childhood experiences, and, um, and what are they? So they're really traumatic experiences that our youth uh, can go through, and sometimes they can be single events, and sometimes they can be ongoing traumatic experiences. So things like uh, growing up in a home with substance abuse, whether it's alcohol or drugs, um, having any kind of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. It could be growing up in a home with a divorced divorced parents, maybe single family home, a parent or caregiver is incarcerated. Uh, it also can be domestic violence. So there really are a lot of different experiences. And as we kind of went through that list, I'm sure mentors are recognizing that for yourself, you might also have grew up, grown up around um, or with some of these average childhood experiences. And you know, I think about myself, I have three out of the uh, nine average childhood experiences. And what was very much different for me is, uh, than a lot of our youth is that I grew up uh, with a lot of love and nurture in the home. And so that intervention was really able to help me to work through the, the, that trauma and um, not have some of the negative impacts that can come from adverse childhood experiences when there are no interventions. That's right. And as I've shared rather publicly, what draws me to the work of New Pathways and brings such great passion for me is 
I grew up in poverty as well as having experienced five of the adverse childhood experiences, um, specifically the mental illness in the home, which is uh, one of the adversities that I think um, you skipped over in, in your description, so I just want to be sure to call that out. And for me, the intervention was um, caring adults in my life that actually came in the form of other community members. I grew up in a very rural community without formal mentoring, but I definitely had informal mentors in my life that were disrupting uh, those adversities, which is what makes me so passionate about the work that we do here at New Pathways, is I personally know the power of mentoring and to be a part of contributing to our world in a way that intentionally brings those loving, caring, skillful adults into the lives of kids that are otherwise forgotten um, just sets my my heart and my my belly on fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both hit it that uh, that caring and, and nurturing adults or stable relationships um, can really help to become an intervention for average child experiences. And we know that there's research. And so the Centers yeah. for Disease and Control have come out and said that the number one intervention to disrupt the negative impacts and long-term effects of average health experiences is that one-to-one relationship mm-hmm. with a caring and stable adult. And for our youth, we know that that's somebody outside the home, mm-hmm. uh, which in this case is the mentor. That's right. And I love to talk about that and what the intentionality is behind a lot of our program uh, structure that interrupts that uh, through the mentoring relationship. But before we do it, I think it might also be helpful to understand what happens if we don't disrupt. So why we have an appreciation for what's happening here at New Pathways and how this work is a long-term commitment to these youth, that these aren't cycles that are broken in two, three, four months, or even 12 months. We ask for a minimum of a year commitment from our mentors, um, but what we're really hoping for is a long-term commitment to these youth, uh, to their youth. Um, and many youth stay in our program, and the average match length we're seeing is anywhere between four to six years of understanding what the commitment really is um, and how we can be a part of that. But if we don't interrupt these cycles, um, the results are pretty uh, um, glim, candidly. Uh, these youth become at risk of a host of social and health issues uh, later in life, from depression and anxiety to workforce issues. Um, we know that youth become at a higher risk of teenage pregnancy, alcohol, alcoholism, um, substance abuse, um, a host of sexually transmitted diseases, etc. And what always impacts me, Mark, about the long-term results is the understanding that's what's happening in the body, that our systems are built to come home uh, or to encounter uh, the bear in the woods, if you will, and the release of the adrenaline and the cortisol, et cetera, for the flight, fight, or freeze scenario um, when we encounter the bear in the woods. What ACEs is shedding light on is understanding that what is happening in the body of the youth is the encountering the bear in the home every day. And the long-term impact of that from those immediate pieces we talked about, depression, anxiety, at-risk of pregnancy, substance abuse, etc., 
um, we also know over time has the long-term health impacts of heart disease, diabetes, and a host of other issues, mental uh, health issues, and, and on. But here's the kicker for me, is when you look at the long-term impact for a neighborhood where youth may become with other risk factors, neighborhoods 15, 20 minutes right around the corner from new pathways, um, and then you look at the demographics of youth in the neighborhoods that we serve at New Pathways, the life expectancy has a difference of 20 years. That kids coming from adversity and poverty will have a 20-year shorter life expectancy if these go uninterrupted. So understanding what we're really up to here at New Pathways when we say we are breaking the cycle of poverty and adversity, that that's a long-term commitment that we're also interrupting a host of long-term health and social issues while also bringing immediate relief and hope, evidence-based hope to our kids. Yeah, and that fact about just the geographics and how youth growing up in certain zip codes and how life expectancy can be significantly different um, really hit me and um, just how much of an injustice that is and how unfair that is and someone's life and mm-hmm. and um, so many so much precious m- precious time is being taken away um, simply because of how I grew up and the experiences that I was a part of um, and and also in my research and, and learning more about aces um, one thing that really stood out to me is that you know some of these risky behaviors that our youth engage in are a result of the brain development and just the lack of um, having, skills or the ability or the brain development to think through decisions, to think through risks, to think through consequences. The other side of it too is that it's oftentimes a way to numb the trauma as well too. And so sometimes they're engaging in those risky behaviors um, simply because they don't want to feel the stress and and the the anxiety, um, the fight or flight or the freeze that you mentioned earlier. And it becomes a way of just feeling anything different and or taking them away from the negative trauma. And there's hope. And the hope lives in new pathways, as I said, in an evidence-based approach that begins with the mentor. So mentors, this is what you're up to every day. It's not just the immediate challenge of working with our youth or the immediate reward of working with our youth, but it's understanding we're up to something pretty big here at New Pathways. And um, the Center for Disease Control has identified that one of the key interventions for interrupting adverse childhood experiences is a stable, caring relationship with a nurturing adult. And that's what our mentoring is about. That alone, however, isn't um, the only thing that's required to create the disruption and set a new course. And so there's program structures here at New Pathways that may not be um, quite obvious, but how they're intentionally designed to build the resilience of our youth in addition to the relationship, that the relationship with the mentor becomes a mechanism to carry these other resiliency components of our program forward. So Mark, I thought it might be helpful if we spent some time with our mentors today to talk about what are those resiliency factors that have been identified as trumping out the ACEs and Um, And in that conversation, then tie in what our program element is that is building um, the capacity of that resilience factor. So shall we start with the first one? Yeah, let's do it. 
So the first resilient factor we know um, is uh, having uh, building social and emotional skills. And so here at New Pathways, um, the program element that we really target in on for building our social and emotional skills in our youth is our personal development curriculum. Um, Our personal development curriculum is what we were founded on, and it uncovers what are those unconscious stories, beliefs that I've taken on about myself, oftentimes as a result of these adverse experiences. Um, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't belong. And our personal development curriculum really begins to intervene in that emotional and social learning there. And then we start applying our life skills curriculum, uh, which uh, our mentors may or may not know. We use evidence-based curriculum in that area as well. And so building communication skills, leadership skills, um, sense of of worth skills, uh, on and on, um, all of the different workshop topics uh, each month combined powerfully our personal development and the life skills curriculum. So it's very intentional um, topics uh, that have uh, fidelity and validity behind them that when introduced and practiced in the way that we do through our workshops, we are developing and building the social and emotional skills in our youth. Absolutely. And, you know, with these workshops, you know, they're structured in a way that it's exposing, educating youth and mentors with possibly some, some new information they're not getting elsewhere in schools or at home, out in the community. So they're learning these things. They've never talked about these things or, or uh, jumped into these things before. And then the workshops are set up to give youth and mentors the opportunity to practice, so to really to dive in and say, what would this look like? How would I, how would I demonstrate this skill in a relationship or at school or at work? And then the key is, is then from there, the youth are walking away saying, okay, now I have a foundation and now I got to do something with it. And that's why it's so critical that the mentor is there in the workshop with them, learning, going through that practice so that they're able to help support the youth and actually trying on those new skills, applying them, building the skill set to be able to do those things more consistently. Yeah. And that's where the weekly contact and follow-up out in the community beyond the workshop is the role mentor can take in coaching through that. I also wanted to add that why this is so important. I had a meeting yesterday with our school district, uh, Phoenix Union School District, and um, talked candidly about which schools um, are and are not um, having access to the resources to bring in social and emotional skill development. And most of the schools we're serving are the ones struggling with that and not having the resources, which again speaks to why it's so critical that our partnerships and the work that our mentors do in our program model is is critically important for, for our youth. Shall we talk about the next resiliency factor? Yeah. And so I look at the list here and we know that meeting basic needs is very much an important one. And so with our youth coming from poverty, uh, they're worrying about daily, they're worrying about issues, whether it's safety concerns, housing concerns, having enough food on the table, uh, clothing, um, there's the opportunity for those needs to, um, to be there. And it's something that we as a program and as an organization are very much focusing on. And that's where the program coordinator, to your point, comes in play, that in my check-in with my mentor um, as a program coordinator or as a mentor my check-in with my program coordinator, some of the questions will likely gear around uh, what have I noticed going on with the youth, any hygiene issues, any food issues, 
uh, we're looking at that so we can resource that that youth and that family. Um, so the role of the program coordinator becomes making those community referrals to other agencies, whether it be food banks or utility assistance, and connecting. And that's another way that our program structure is very distinct. It's a depth we go to in uh, the work that we do that most other organizations in mentoring don't. And so, again, it's designed specifically understanding that our youth living uh, at or below the federal poverty level will come with these basic needs. And so, therefore, our team has to be ready to connect to those resources actively and proactively. And the mentor is oftentimes the first person seeing those or experiencing them with the youth. Or the mentor might be the person that the youth is most comfortable sharing. I don't have food in the home this week. Um, And so for the mentor to know that they have support behind them. They don't have to carry that and fix it uh, right then, um, but they can connect with their program coordinator um, to look at more systemic solutions for the family and the youth for longer-term stability. Yeah, and the other side of that, too, is about um, education and how can we help provide that education. So obviously our program coordinators do that, and mentors very much step into this. I had a good conversation recently and um, a mentor shared that she had been talking to her youth about um, eating health, how to eat healthy, and especially with a limited budget, what are ways that you can um, engage in that, whether it's eating out and for things like that. And um, the youth took a lot of that to heart and uh, had a really powerful conversation with grandmother when they were out shopping. And um, grandmother thanked the mentor for kind of educating her youth around um, how to look at healthier options. And it caused grandmother to think about, yeah, like, there are ways that we can actually eat um, a little bit better and um, meet some of our own basic needs um, from a physical perspective in terms of health. There's uh, Let's talk about another resiliency factor. There's uh, two key resiliency factors that I think um, are little known about our program, and then we'll come back to some of the other elements that are very specific to youth and mentors. But two resiliency factors are having resiliency resilient parents but and have uh, uh, parents that are willing to learn more about parenting and how children grow and so at new pathways for the last three years we have also been providing uh, or maybe it's four years now regardless we have been providing an evidence-based parenting program so that when the youth enroll and go through the three-day intensive retreat their parents are also at the same time enrolled into a three-day Uh, or excuse me, a two-day parent program that is, uh, again, an evidence-based curriculum looking at how do um, children grow, how especially teenagers, um, how we might work with them, um, and then also looking at uh, how how parents can solve problems and be in healthy relationships, but how the youth can be in those healthy relationships with their parents as well. So that's a really key part, again, of new pathways that's pretty distinct and not widely known that we understand that that resiliency factor is there. Now, the hard part is um, we've thought about making that mandatory for parents Um, But we also understand that we might lose some youth at that point if parents aren't able to participate due to jobs or other circumstances that they're facing. So we haven't made it mandatory, but about 60% of our parents actually do go through the program. Um, So this is when the youth's being enrolled, we're also enrolling the parents to that. And so for mentors to know that's a resource. And if their parents, the parents of their mentees never went through it, uh, we can still get them into a parent cycle and program uh, to have access to some of that work as well. Absolutely. 
And I think about too, the program coordinators come into play with this as well too. So even outside the training, the conversations that they may need to engage in with the parents or opportunities to provide more education and learning about how the parents, caregivers are showing up uh, in those relationships as well too. And that's part of the program coordinator's role as well is that they carry that role with the parents so that the mentor doesn't have to. So mentors, as you're experiencing uh, needs or challenges with the family, know that we don't expect that you would be uh, on the front line of that. Our program coordinators can be. So be in connection with the program coordinator so that they can support and advocate with the family and with the parent so that as mentor, we get to stay in the direct relationship with our youth. Absolutely. And as I look at this list again, you know, the next uh, resiliency factor is around building social connections and having people around who can help support, listen, care, and are concerned. And then I immediately think about the communities that we create here at New Pathways. And whether it's on the front line when mentors come in through mentor training, um, you know, mentors are going through that training together. They're starting to build community, get to know each other, uh, share more about each other. And then we launch these relationships through these one-day or three-day retreats, which are intentionally about building community, building connections. And um, we're encouraging people during the breaks and during lunches at any time, go talk to people you don't know, get to know them, get to interact, because this is going to be your structure of support, your support system as you move forward on this journey. And um, for many youth, they don't, don't have that. They can't say, I have this true community outside of New Pathways that I can rely on, that I can open up with, I can be vulnerable with and learn and grow in a very safe way. And I would say that mentors as well, too, may also be saying that, that, yeah, I don't know that I truly have one community out there um, as well. And so it's, 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 a, it's a good place to, to be at and definitely helps with resiliency. Absolutely. And I think um, as you're talking, it really relates into um, the last um, resiliency factor we'll look at today in this podcast, which is building attachment and nurturing relationships and that's ultimately how our work at New Pathways begins. It's not the be-all um, to the work that we do, but it is that one-to-one mentoring relationship that we introduce right up front as the beginning of the program that our youth oftentimes have not felt seen, not felt heard, not even sure if anyone knows they exist in the world. And it's through this relationship with the mentor right away that they have someone who is listening uh, who is just being with them, who is seeing them, uh, who is patiently supporting them, um, who's paying attention to their emotional needs, their social needs, and sometimes their physical needs, as we've already talked about in linking that back. And so understanding this this resiliency factor of building attachment and nurturing relationships is at the heart of what New Pathways does, which I think is why we've saved this one to the last one to talk about because sometimes we put it out front as if it's the only thing. It is the core thing to which all other aspects that we've talked about today are built around, such as the retreats, the workshops, the program coordinator support of the mentor and coaching of the mentor. These are not easy youth to serve. We won't always have the skills, nor can we train in the beginning on all the skills that we're going to need as mentors. But the program coordinator is resourced that along the way, we're helping develop the skills and the ways of thinking for each stage of the match and why the, that support in uh, coaching and case management actually fits into understanding all the ways that we are um, building the resiliency factors 
that uh, triumph over the adverse childhood experiences that our youth face. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, as mentors and as being a mentor now for four years, I'm still learning and I'm still growing and how can I be uh, a nurturing individual to my mentee? And um, and in part of that journey, I've realized that there are things that about me and how I show up and habits that I have and my own self-defeating thoughts that sometimes can get in the way. And that's where those conversations with the program coordinator become so powerful uh, because it allows me to kind of sit back and really think about how am I showing up as a mentor uh, and where are the opportunities where I maybe can lean into being a little bit more nurturing, a little bit more understanding, step back and actually listen and hear what my youth is telling me, maybe verbally or even non-verbally. Uh, and so there's always the opportunity to evolve and grow uh, so that we can be a support system for our youth and to help them really work through all challenges, including those adverse childhood experiences. And I think one of the pieces that then all of this is always happening in context with is the overall uh, case plan here at New Pathways. What are we really up to? So tying it back to how we began, we're really up to intervening in the cycle of poverty and adversity that our youth face so that we can bring uh, immediate relief and connection and support to our youth, but also interrupt the long-term impact that will happen for these youth in the social and health realms and what those impacts ultimately then are on our greater community, our workforce, our economic stability, um, and much more. And so remembering that what we're up to here at New Pathways is big, um, that the mentor is core to that work, and that New Pathways program structure is an evidence-based model that truly interrupts that. And uh, I've, I've recently caught on to, we don't bring hope to our youth, we bring evidence-based hope. It's, it's hope that's built on something solid. And um, that actually works. And I had a conversation with one of our youth this morning who has graduated college, uh, just graduated, uh, headed to her graduate program, and with tears in her eyes, uh, says to me, I, I had two mentors along the way. Uh, one of her mentors moved away, and uh, she had her second match, and that she wouldn't be where she was today uh, without her mentors and all of the workshops that were present in her life that taught her uh, and developed the skills she needed to actually make it in college, which wasn't easy coming from all the adversity and poverty that she came from. So that's what we're up to, and that's the hope that we bring our kids, that you as our mentors bring our kids and that we can't do without you. Yeah, and so just to echo, our program really is about helping our youth to internally and within themselves build that resiliency. Uh, it's not something that we can just give and bestow to them. Uh, and we have the program support and structure to help our youth to learn how do they build that within themselves. And, um, and to support the mentors along the way uh, as being a guide and navigator of that process with their youth. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, we'd love for you to engage the program coordinator around what you're taking away. And uh, how does this shape how you maybe look at the program a little bit differently? And what does this, what does this cause you to want to reflect on more, think about, and or maybe do differently, recognizing yeah. that all of our youth are really coming with a lot of different average childhood experiences. And Mark, I think that's a great call to action for our mentors is on your call with your program coordinator this month. Do you know all of the adverse childhood experiences at play in your youth's life? Um, 
maybe explore, make sure that we have a depth of understanding in each of our relationships of what the ACEs are, um, how those ACEs might be impacting our own ACEs or triggering them. Um, and so how can we use the support of the program coordinator along the way? So I love your call to action of having a conversation with the program coordinator about what are the ACEs at play in my match? That means what are the ones I bring? What are the ones my youth brings? Um, what are the ways that we're uh, engaged in the program structures to build these resiliency factors? Um, and then what am I noticing as change over time? I love the call to action. Thank you for yeah, creating that for us. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, keep unleashing possibilities.